A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome to another Top 10 Debate. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture. Joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to talk about worst first days for WWE champions. But before you enter, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AW Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions like this one, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Mark Lambler to talk about his article, The 10 Worst First Days for WWE Champions, which is, of course, available to read now at whatculture.com. And we're doing this, I suppose, because we did the worst first days for NXT call-ups last week, and we had a bloody good time doing it. Uh, Hambler, what was the inspiration behind this list? Karen uh, Cross. <laughs> Isn't, it the insp- Isn't it the inspiration for everything now? Vincent Man cheers himself up at his expense, so so could I. No, um, this was, yeah, sort of a, a spin-off, really. So thinking about the NXT call-ups that had awful first days, I got thinking about, well, Karen Cross had that belt around his waist. He was the NXT champion. Has WWE done this to its top guys, its flag bearers, not Triple H's, but Vince McMahon's? Yeah. And turns out, yeah, like loads of champions, either through real life or through booked scenarios... I've had bad days. This was a mix, I should point out, kayfabe and non-kayfabe mm. bad days. So some injuries, whatnot, some just atrocious booking, weird results, strange happenings, and just not necessarily the kind of thing you would maybe expect. Um, say, for example, when you see the advert saying, championship celebration, <laughs> and cut, cut to ends in tears. Either ones like that or ones where things have genuinely gone wrong Um well, as we'll get into, it's a, a raft of different first days, not the kind of things you would maybe want if, like all of us, every now and then we all dreamed of that first night looking at the belt and thinking, this is actually real. I've done this. Yeah, I uh, I want to talk a little bit about non-storyline worst first days with Chris Jericho in due course, but it's really interesting mm. looking at this list because there's some people who you like, oh, that was a bit crap, but they had 20 title reigns or whatever, so they're not really that asked about it. And then there's other people who never really recovered from it. But we can't talk about the worst first days for WWE champions and have Michael Hamblett on and not talk about CM Punk and someone called Kevin Nash. Now, of course, I was popping daft when Kevin Nash, of all people, like was appeared at the end of John Cena versus CM Punk in reasons that to this day I haven't really had explained to me. He texted himself. That's the best explanation they gave yeah. us. Of course I loved it. Of course I did. However, biggest however of my pro wrestling fandom, I could instantly see the writing on the wall for the summer of punk as it was happening. Ugh. I was like, well, this is, le- this is less than ideal. 
Um, and it wasn't just that Punk was about to get cashed in on, and we'll perhaps touch on that subject a little bit elsewhere in this list, maybe, or if not, go and read it at whatcoach.com. But it was the idea that Punk had just, if you recall, defeated John Cena in what I would term the opposite of conclusive fashion. Mm. So not only did John Cena have a foot on the rope and Triple H missed it, um, but he may have rolled the shoulder. CM Punk wasn't fully convinced he'd won. And then Triple H was like, yeah, you have. And Punk was like, okay, I'll celebrate then. <laughs> Fans, the commentators, so for the viewers at home, everybody is like, well, that's a bit ill gone. And the only person in the building that didn't realise that was CM Punk. <laughs> so he, all of a sudden, the guy that was this revolutionary, the guy that sat on the stage and wanted to change the world, was suddenly a recipient of the flawed system. So you're already going like, oh, this isn't great. This doesn't feel as hot as money in the bag. And then you don't have any time to process that because a seven-foot Mack truck, this is where the <laughs> diesel comes out of me, just, <laughs> just barrels through with this enormous clothesline like floors him with a jackknife and then he's not even champion anymore. Del Rio's there. And immediately you're going right, it fixes in. I wonder how they're going to address this on Raw. And I think I'm still waiting for clarity on that bit. Well, at least we got that great CM Punk Kevin Nash match to, to sort of, you know, draw a line. <laughs> what the bloody hell was that all about? We got that great CM Punk Kevin Nash match graphic before <laughs> uh, Nash... Nash was put on the injured list for Night of Champions, so uh, Triple H saw the perfect opportunity to book himself a win. It's just preposterous. And you've, the reason why I also mentioned this, not just because of the Kevin Nash connection, but you've alluded to this subsequent to that. When we look back on, you know, the the, the, well, the summer of Punk and Triple H going, are you going to mug me off and, and say that I'm, you know, she's got my balls in her purse or whatever. I'm going to bury you. And he goes, bye, bam. And then, bye, like bam. you say, the, the summer of Punk started in, I think, November, technically. Yeah, <laughs> we finally got it. The, the summer of uh, punk in Madison Square Garden at the Survivor Series, like all good summer programs. <laughs> Just right, bang on Thanksgiving, the start of summer. Maybe, maybe in Australia, they're like, I love the summer of punk. It's <laughs> class. Maybe they remember it very fondly. But yeah, ridiculous. And for something that was white hot, like you say, and could really, uh, you know, look at the look, you look at the months prior and. You know, there can be arguments made about having CM Punk return. What was it? Just over a week after he walked out, mm. eight days. All right. But I still well, think one, well, to be fair, one less than Tony Khan would have booked him. <laughs> yes. But, <laughs> eight days. but it, I still think that wouldn't have been that much of an issue had, had he just won clean, not been jumped, and just yeah. started off on what they eventually got him onto. Months earlier, but that, that actually links to another one of the 10 worst first days of WWE champions. And from one of your best friends to one of mine, Rey Mysterio, who's never had another WWE championship. He was champion for 20 minutes or some bollocks like that. And it wasn't even like Cena was like, oh, yeah, no, he has wrestled an entire tournament tonight. But give him till the end of the show. And then I love the bit. I watched it back a while back. I love the bit where he's like. Fair play, Ray. You know, you, you you put it all out there. Unlucky, mate. And he, like, picks him up and hugs him. And then Ray falls down, selling. And CM Punk goes, uh, sorry, John Cena goes, right, enough of all that, Balex. Time to celebrate, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Champ is here. Like, so weird, man. Like, you, this is, 
and you know we've just obviously talked about the eight days like you could feel the wheels falling off the punk hype train because this was so bad the idea i think and i've like this is maybe gonna scan as generous but the only rational reason i can think for them running this tournament only for ray to win and then john cena to capitalize on a weakened ray mysterio when they know full well that like a fully fit Rey Mysterio is one of the most sympathetic baby faces, let alone a weakened one. So it's not like people are going to receive John Cena reclaiming a WWE championship that isn't even the real one because he just lost that to CM Punk. People aren't going to receive this as legitimate. I can only think they were trying to play 4D chess and they were like, this is going to scan. It's so illegitimate. It's going to show that CM Punk really has sent this company into a tailspin. They don't know, you know, mm. everything is so, it's, uh, as you would put it, opposite land. You know, like they're, that's, they were trying to portray chaos. So imagine the WWE brain trust of like, right, CM Punk has generated a genuine feeling of chaos. He's won the title. He's put it in his fridge. He's appeared at Comic-Con. That chaos feels real. Mm. How can we, I love this. I love this. What would really say to our audience Chaos, and then John O'Reilly pops up. John Cena winning the belt, boss. <laughs> the, the most stable thing that has happened for ten years is his pitch for chaos. I was like, you know what? I really upset the apple cart. Put the belt <laughs> on. Like, I, I, I cannot. Like, they, it's such a. It's that Simpsons gag of like John Cena winning the belt to cause chaos. Plus question mark equals. Money, <laughs> like, just unfathomably stupid. Um, and then, I, even then, I guess they thought, like, well, I would like if it says, I think the Miz was in the tournament, I think he lost the final to Ray, mm. where Ray won the belt before he lost it. Their rationale there would have been, I would, if the Miz wins it, it's not very heelish to offer Cena a shot on the night, so it's got to be a baby face. It's like, just don't do it on the same night, yeah. <laughs> Sell a fucking pay-per-view. Have this be the main event for SummerSlam and let Punk be the shadow. Let, like, the WWE title is on the line. And then just have a couple of people comment being like, oh, it's not, a, not the title, is it? Mm. Like, what do you mean? Is it, yes, it is the WWE title. What are you talking about? And we know, we know what's coming, you know. And just, I know the wrestling company has done a perfectly good job of selling 10,000 plus tickets without mentioning CM Punk's name. This can be done. <laughs> And they just thought, no, 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 we need to get back that right away. And with eight days, he was back. And I don't care what anybody says. And it is great when you watch it back. Isolation. Everybody felt the spark hadn't gone, but it had dimmed mm. when Punk appeared on that stage eight days later. Remember that the pipe bomb said things like Ring of Honor, New Japan. And he'd appeared at Comic-Con as a <laughs> non-contracted, in inverted commas, performer. Eight days and he walks back out on the stage on Raw, it didn't feel anywhere near enough. You know, you wanted him gone for the bulk of the summer. Mm. I just feel so sorry for Ray, the fact that he, you know, he just yeah, had yeah. World Heavyweight Championship runs, but it's such a weird thing where you think like, you know, I don't know the inner workings or how they'd be able to promise this down the line, but, you know, you'd think they'd at least say, all right, we'll do this and then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll sort you out down the line when it's a bit, yeah, when, when we've moved on from all this bollocks. <laughs> and yet, no, they just go, you get 60 minutes or whatever it was as WWE champion. At least when I, I'm like, not going to talk. 
does him and John Cena's even count, really? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's it's to feed that storyline more than it is to be the champion, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so they, they're basically wearing something from WWEshop.com. At least when Dolph Ziggler did it, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but it was shenanigans with the heel GM. But even so, I mean, mm. he's the one who I always look on, like, his Wikipedia and go, wait, two-time world heavyweight champion or whatever it is, and go, yeah. oh, yeah, there's that 20-minute stint where Edge went, oh, no, that's mine, I'll have it back now. Yeah, that um, that pop that he got when he won money when he cashed in money in the bank often kind of fools you into thinking that this was that long overdue first title. But I, uh, it's it's a strange, makes me sad in a way as an like older fan in the community these days that title reigns can be so frivolously dished out like this. And you know, I don't know if this, I don't know if people know, um, but John Cena is a sixteen-time world heavyweight champion, <laughs> um, and uh, those numbers now in the sort of fullness of time and as John Cena has become an industry icon, they don't feel quite as egregious but there's some proper dodgy ones in there you know, like, and Dolph Ziggler as well as as only even a two-time champion which is what he is, he should be a one shouldn't he? Mm. You know, Dolph Ziggler, that should be looked upon oh man, why didn't they like run with him properly and we should be able to reflect on this oh, this, this one solitary ring, but at least he got that one, fine I didn't, he got two but one was from 20 minutes because of all things, like Edge hit a spear and the spear was banned. So Ziggler gets it because Edge had hit the band move. But then he's barely put the belt around his waist and Teddy Long, an authority figure, comes yeah. back and unbans the move. And then Edge uses the move to win the belt back. And it's like, how did Dolph... Talk me through Dolph Ziggler becoming world champion for the first time. I got speared and lost two matches. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's how it happened. I mean, we could do an entire podcast about Dolph Ziggler. Do you remember when they went, you know what we need to do with Dolph Ziggler? Get rid of that blonde hair. Get it cut short and dye it brown. Make him like a generic creator wrestler on 2K. You know, when he um, expresses himself with his face, you know, we need to cut that out. <laughs> Bossy, Bossy's a, he's a, he's a show-off. Yeah. You know what I think he needs to show off? A cool, cold exterior. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help 
a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Well, we'll talk more about storylines, uh, storyline reasons for, for worst first days, but we can't have this without talking <laughs> about Chris Jericho because, oh. I mean, from finding out, was this the one we found out where they went, oh, you know, this company's in the toilet. The whole thing, I, the whole day is a piss take for the poor man, honestly, oh. the whole day. Talk me through it. Chris Jericho gets to work on the day of Vengeance 2001. He's very much the fourth man in a four-man title tournament. Um, you know, you're outside bet with no expectations other than to have the best match or potentially matches he can. And he gets the news, Wilborn. It's not going to be Kurt Angle. It's not going to be The Rock. It's not even going to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. One man is going to be the first under WWE's umbrella, undisputed champion ever. The big gold belt, the WWF World Heavyweight Championship, and it's going to be Chris Jericho, the guy that was once told by his boss, Vince McMahon, the contract isn't worth the paper it's printed on. So what a turnaround. What a two years I've had in this bit. Like, Vince is going to go with me. And I know what you're thinking. It's like, I bet they hugged. I bet Vince said to him, I remember that day. I told you that about the contract not being worth what it's printed on. And look, look at you today. I cannot wait to crown you, Chris. Thank you for taking my company forward. Not quite. Now he's sat having his dinner and he hears The Undertaker and uh, Vince McMahon having a little laugh to himself. <laughs> Taker. You know how the business is going down the pan when you're putting the belt on Jericho. I'm just picturing Jericho with his food on the end of a fork, with his yeah. mouth like, uh, do, do I eat this or not? <laughs> do they want to hear this or not? Awful crack. Like, let's be honest, a good rib, but pretty awful. Um, so he wins the belt, and this is all from Chris Jericho himself, obviously. Um and you're thinking, right, all right, all right, all right. They've had a bit of fun at my expense. But we've seen what happens when guys win the title. You go backstage, curtain sellout if the match is good. Standing ovation from your peers, your bosses, your contemporaries. No, no, no. Chris Jericho gets backstage. And because it's a pretty awkward town, everybody's already left the building to beat the traffic. <laughs> so he's got like an empty backstage. He's getting showered. There's nobody there. No pats on the back. No ruffles of the hair. Like everybody's just off to the next town. And it's... Uh, He's obviously last one there. So he's the last one to go. He does get stuck in the proverbial traffic uh, and he gets to the hotel at midnight late and uh, he can't get room service because it stops at midnight. He noticed that it was 11.58 and they said no anyway. Brilliant. And, appa- and apparently I'm the undisputed champion in the world doesn't get his service. <laughs> so he has no choice to call in a pizza, gets on Uber Eats or Just Eat or whatever, gets <laughs> his pizza delivered. Uh, they wouldn't bring it to his room. And you know what it's like when you get to a hotel late and maybe you've like presumptuously gotten in to your dressing gown or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, oh, God, I've got to go downstairs again to collect this pizza. God mm. damn it. So he goes to get his pizza, locks himself out of the room. Oh. Goes back out of the lobby, different guy on the desk. Won't give him a new key to his room, doesn't know who he is again. But I'm the world heavyweight champion, Chris Jericho, and I just want to eat my pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Not having it. Not having it. Guy goes up to the living room with him. Is willing to let him in the room. Drops the pizza on the carpet. <laughs> Gets back in the room. He's eating carpet pizza, knackered, alone, with the belts on the bed 
in a, I believe, I let's shame them because he did, a Ramada in somewhere in Anaheim, California. It's what just, I tell the grandkids, Chris. Oh, it just, it's so funny because obviously it's a thing, it's an oft-repeated phrase by Chris Jericho. But then you realise it's got sort of knob flashbacks associated with it for him. There are more treasured memories in the Jericho family photo album of his wife going to Capitol Hill than there are of him celebrating as undisputed champion. Uh, right, let's talk about someone else. Triple H just ruined Randy Orton. <laughs> oh Jesus! Right, right. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again because WWE will make this mistake over and over again. There is no worse babyface turn in wrestling than your heel friends not liking you anymore. No. <laughs> How do you expect the fans to go out and cheer for you? I'm here. I'm by myself. I because they ditched you, you mm. loser. Like, Randy Orton was the guy. WWE, look, I feel like I have to say this. I feel like I'm stood in a soapbox or something. Because... I don't know if you've seen a documentary series narrated by Michael Rappaport mm-hmm. um, about ruthless aggression. Um, there's some good podcast reviews out there if you want to go in the archives. Indeed. I would heartily recommend them. But basically, right, um, Brock Lesnar had left and uh, he'd been the youngest world heavyweight champion. And uh, apparently, being the youngest world heavyweight champion sucked, but they didn't want it to suck no more. <laughs> so they took that record off him spitefully while Randy Orton was still young enough to get it. And put the belt on him, but they put the belt on him really early when he was too. And he'd say this in future interviews that he was mm-hmm. too young to have it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they thought, let's just go with him. Um, he beat uh, a floating mass of air at SummerSlam the night before, if you've ever seen the highlights. And he wins the title, and he goes to Raw the next night, and he's held aloft. And the deal is, Triple H, a setup evolution, not for the underlings to win the belt, but for him to have it and them mm-hmm. to help him. Now. Could you have told the story where Randy Orton wins the belt and Triple H says, now, nah, Randy, no, this is not what this is all about. And you knew this when you, when you signed with us. And then Randy ends Raw, RKOing him. And like Batista and Ric Flair are just, oh my God. And Orton's got the belt. He's taken out the leader. And you got Jim Ross screaming as Raw goes off the air. Randy Orton won't be enslaved by evolution. Randy Orton's his own man. Randy Orton is a world heavyweight champion. See you next week, you know, and like Randy Orton comes out the following week and he says, yes, like Triple H, you may be the game and I'll give you a shot at this belt, but I'm my own man. I'm not going to kowtow to you. I'm not going to bend the knee to you. None of it, does he? (laughs) Absolutely none of it. He does, Triple H does what we will now refer to as dominant Mysterios him on Batista's shoulders. With the autumn and look, people like the moment, and I do get it. I really get that people enjoy this moment. It's been lionized, it's been put in video package, but you really have to appreciate the context of it. Mm-hmm. Orton was so hot as a heel. It's that to sort of modern example of that Brit Baker heat where you are genuinely itching for the babyface turn. You like Edge going in front of them SmackDown crowd saying, Give it to me, give it to me. <laughs> and you want Randy Orton to be a babyface, and then they take away the reason for you to cheer him because his mates have just turned on him. And then as the weeks go by, he spits in Triple H's face, yeah. he runs away into the crowd, and then after three weeks, he loses the title. <laughs> so don't tell me that this was a good angle. Just because it looks great in and of itself on yeah. WWE lists and network documentaries, watch this back week on week, appreciate the context, and legit, 
no hyperbole, this probably set Randy Orton back about three years. Genuinely. I think I was, I don't really remember this time period, so I think I was out of the, the loop with wrestling at this point. But I remember sort of stumbling across, you know, when you only go through those like evenings where you just go from one WWE promo to another because it's one of the only good things that WWE can do nowadays. Yeah. I remember seeing the, the promo for this and you've got the, the thumbs up, thumbs down, and then you've got the give me the belt, Randy, and the tug of war. Always goes down well. WWE, a good tug yeah. of war. Gosses in his face. I think he helped Eugene beat Triple H or some bollocks like that. Regardless. Yeah. Saw all that. I was like, wow, I've really been out of the loop with all this. How did uh, how did Randy get on as a you know as a champion running through all the all of evolution and then no, nah, just lose it straight back. Straight back. And like, you know, hard hard evidence, the hardest evidence that this was a massive failure. Batista got over. Yep. <laughs> it's like second try, we'll get it right a second time. Never mind. Never mind Orton's career. We'll get it right a second time. And they nailed it. They absolutely nailed it. High straw in WrestleMania and Yonks because people bought into it because they'd seen what a crap challenger to Triple H looked like and now they wanted to see a good one. Honestly, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? All the things that combine there and Triple H going, yeah, I think it's probably best not to take the belt back off you. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. Like the, look, kid, kid can't cut it. What can I say? I did what I could. Kid can't cut it. Was that in the midst of that? Was was that before or after the Reign of Terror? It was. It was during. I was going to say during. smack bang in the middle, wasn't it? Smack bang in the middle. You were, oh Christ! Like mid two thousand and four, you were a year removed from cycling shorts. Triple H going twenty minutes with Goldberg, oh. and you were set. You were like several months before finally putting over Batista. It's when you realise just how long the bloody Reign of Terror was. But let's conclude, Michael Hamlet, and talk about something I was genuinely surprised to see on this list. Worst first days for WWE champions. Daniel Bryan after WrestleMania bloody 30. I know he's, yeah. he's a lovely bloke and he's mm-hmm. he's great when you hear him talk about, you know, he's very honest about this year's WrestleMania or putting over Kofi at WrestleMania 35. But you look at that and you think that's the culmination of everything. Now, granted, mm. injuries, so we all know where this story goes off the back of this. But it's jaw-dropping for him to be like, yeah, I really like losing a WrestleMania 35. WrestleMania 30, where I beat Triple H and then uh, beat Bazista and Randy Orton in the main event and uh, the roof came off in New Orleans. Yeah, not arsed, not bothered. Daniel Bryan is the best of us. Um, And he's kind of the, like, there is more Kevin Nash in Daniel Bryan. And I think a lot of people would realise, unless you are are devotees of both men, of which I am, Kevin Nash was never, of course, he wanted to be champion. Of course, he want to be reach the pinnacle. But it's because that belt represents money, because it represents being the biggest star. And you want to get in, you want to make the most you can off these awful and scrupulous promoters and get the cow, right? <laughs> in Daniel Bryan's case, literally. <laughs> so he reflected earlier this year, I think it was, on WrestleMania. And obviously, the assumption that everybody has made, that as you correctly like would assume, Pinnacle, you know, WrestleMania 30, 80,000 people in New Orleans going, yes, yes, yes. Um, and it was just so amazing how we reduced it to rubble in an instant. So he's asked what his favorite WrestleMania match is, and he says Kofi at WrestleMania 35. And that's not as big a surprise mm. because he must have been, as a wrestler, and he loves to wrestle, he must be so pleased with that as a reflection of his art. Mm. Amazing heel. Just two, three years, well, one year prior returned from an injury that we thought was gone forever three years prior 
Oh, sorry, five years prior, the biggest baby face in the mm. game. So like he must like he can hold this matchup against Kofi as a work of his art. Completely like get that. But then he kind of like says, Yeah, yeah, I'd love the Kofi match was at WrestleMania 35. And anyway, WrestleMania 30. Hey, now. <laughs> His shoulder was injured, his neck was injured, his arm was injured, and then, just when you think that's not enough, i got to get up and do frigging Good Morning America in the morning. <laughs> i got I got I loved how he put it. He says, you know, everyone comes up to you and they're like, congratulations. That's a lot of responsibility. I'm just imagining that he just... Daniel Bryan gets backstage. I bet all he wants to do is get on one of them little cars and get back to his locker room at the yeah. other side of the Superdome, wherever it is. I love this little glee. I can like, this was an audio interview, but I can picture the glint in his eye. Mm. And he's added, this is a quote. When I wrestled Kofi, everyone goes to Kofi and says, congratulations. I have my moment with him. I'm like, hey man, thanks. That was awesome. Then I hug my wife and daughter and go home. Kofi has to do media and deal with people congratulating him. Amazing. That guy is not remotely interested in gratification. He's not got an ego to placate. He's not got any vanity. He's just like, like, remember on the back of the Al Snow Job Squad t-shirt, it said, pin me, pay me. He's like the highest profile guy to ever wear a Job Squad t-shirt. He's just wrestled a five-star match and it's like, thanks, Kofi. I'll be on my way. Like, like you just imagine him sort of like patting his back. Good luck, you fucking mug. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, amazing! What a one-off, a two-off. Yeah, call him little sexy. Call him little sexy. It's just because the people were so like, oh, I don't even know if he's going to beat Triple H at the beginning of WrestleMania. Let alone Batista and Randy Orton. He's like, oh, I hope I don't. I hope when I get there, yeah. it's Triple H. <laughs> he's like the Jericho thing here. Well, at least I beat the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can get, I can get my vegan pizza back at the hotel. <laughs> Well, let us know your thoughts on the worst first days for WWE champions. And if you want to read about the rest, you can do so right now at whatculture.com. Let us know your thoughts on Twitter at whatculturewwe. Watch, say you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at whatculturewwe. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, you can also hear our AEW Dynamite review podcast, which is available right now if you head to there but for now my thanks to this article's author michael hamlet thank you for joining us and we will see you soon hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.